1: Good morning and welcome to another episode of FPC Raiders Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence Biggs. Well, the news yesterday was that former Raiders linebacker Vontaze Burfick is now reinstated by the NFL. This brings up a couple of interesting points for me. First, the league did right by reinstating him because he served his penalty. Whether I think that it was long enough, it's not really, you know, it's it's been served. So, time to move on it brings up a few questions and a few points to me first why do raider fans want him back i just don't really understand the fact that they saw a short or small sample size but yet here we are with fans pining for his return and i don't understand he's at that age of being 30 where it's nothing but downhill from here he doesn't have many more productive seasons left as far as being able to play at his previous level secondly he's not a coverage linebacker teams know that the linebackers have been the raiders weak point forever and in the afc west especially you got austin eckler on the perimeter you got travis kelsey Noah Fant, Philip Lindsay, these are backs and tight ends that will take advantage of any perceived weakness in a defensive scheme. And I just don't see Burfick as being that guy. On top of that, the NFL is going to look at him no matter what he does with a microscope. If he sneezes the wrong way, if he rips the tag off a mattress, they're gonna be on his back like you would not believe and any slight infraction, he's gone, he's gone. And the Raiders invested a low-cost contract in him, which is fine, but that also invested a roster spot where they pretty much saw to shift their entire linebacker scheme towards him being the focal point. Once he was gone, you had Tahir Whitehead out here getting destroyed by guys like Braxton Berrios, a slot receiver who burned him on a 69-yard pass, and uh, – as bad as Whitehead has been, Burfict's cover skills are actually progressively worse for whatever that's worth and apparently that's not worth much and I just don't see the fact that fans want him back. Another rationalization that fans want him back is well, he knows Gunther's system almost as well as Gunther. That's fair and that's true. They have a long history with the Bengals and you can't deny it. You can't take that away from Burfict as far as being able to understand where he fits and I just don't see it as a plus when Paul Gunther might not be the defensive coordinator this entire season where if the Raiders start off slow or if the defense gets toasted again they have an in-house replacement in Rod Marinelli now and I think that the hiring of Rod Marinelli gives Paul Gunther a little bit of uneasiness because think about it. Marinelli and Gruden won a Super Bowl in Tampa. They have that familiarity. Marinelli is a widely respected defensive mind. His scheme is slightly different than the one that Gunther uses. As a result, Marinelli won't be married to any of Gunther's players from the Bengals. He'll have his own set. He'll have his own preferences. With that said, I also think that Gunther being the one to vouch for perfect flushed some of his capital and some of his credibility with mayock and gruden allowing perfect to jump in the role and then when you look at it it's more of wow marinelli you know he is the defensive coordinator in waiting paul gunther has no room for error he has no margin for any kind of mistakes it's pretty much play well start to finish or don't finish the season And I can see it, I can see it, John Gruden has laid the perfect plan in place for a succession to the defensive coordinator spot. And I just see it as Paul Gunther doesn't really have that strong a voice in the room anymore. With that said, I also see that when you look at the draft, I think that Paul Gunther will have less of a say as far as if any defensive talent will serve. I think that Rob Marinelli's voice, because of his track record and long history with John Gruden, will probably supplant Gunther as the defensive voice in the room. And they pretty much hired Paul Gunther's replacement. And it's it's a matter of time where it's sink or swim. There's no more excuses. And I think that the Raiders know this. I think that Paul Gunther knows this. And it just it's funny to me that teams are fans i should say are this wanting a player back that may not finish a season with that said i want to look at the combine the combine is starting and you have measurements and stuff and we need to talk about what part of the combine is important and what parts of the combine aren't important first part of the combine is important the interviews teams are going to invest millions of dollars in some of these players and they need to know that You're not some knucklehead who's going to do something stupid or catch a felony or fail a PED test. It's not so much with weed. It's just just dumbness. Teams will vet you. Although, I will say this. I remember Des Bryant being asked by, I want to say Jeff Diamond of the Miami Dolphins, if his mother were a prostitute. Des Bryant, for whatever his flaws are, folks, is patient at that point because if that were me we would have been fighting I'm sorry I'm not advocating violence but you don't ask anybody any question about their mom you know and yeah. it was funny because folks defended it as well you know it was to test how he would react you don't talk about somebody's mama that's how I, I would react and no 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 so it, it's, it's on teams to be smart it's also one of the things about the combine I worry about our the wonderlick test results being released. It's a way of teams releasing these and a way of fans being able to mock players. Frank Gore didn't have a great wonderlick test and he's on the way to Hall of Fame. Other players didn't have great wonderlick test and they're on the way to Hall of Fame. Kevin Curtis had a 38. Greg McElroy had it like in his 40s. They flashed out as players relatively early football IQ and book IQ or problem solving in the regular world doesn't always translate to the field and I think that the one lick test should be kept private It it's, it's it's embarrassing, it's used to embarrass the players, Frank Gore, Vince Young were mocked for it, Frank Gore had a learning disability that hurt him also you had somebody like Jamal Charles who actually had a learning disability who you know who overcame it to have a productive career and I just it it burns me to my soul that the one lip test results are are released because it's it's clownish for idiot fans to sit there and like throw jokes it's not funny it's it's a learning prop like as a father of a child with special needs I know that her learning process is different and I'd be real irate if somebody had to say something about her and the rate of which she learns and how she learns. I don't care how old she is. That's still somebody's child. you got to be a little more respectful than that. But turning back on to what is important in the combine, the three-cone drill. You can have the 40. I don't care. The 40 is a test used at the combine too. It's the frosting on top. If you know what you know about a Prospect via film, fine. The 40 kind of gives that certain definition as far as draft slotting and roles at the next level. It's not the end all be all. Fans, media get a little too turned by the fact of oh, this guy ran a four two two forty. 40. John Ross ran like a 422. John Ross couldn't catch a cold butt naked in Alaska. He can't catch. Not a good receiver. The Raiders have had a long history of whiteouts who ran extremely well who could not catch that it, you need guys who can run well enough with competent football speed but you also need guys who are talented enough and actually have football like a base foundation of football knowledge and skills to be able to translate fast is great quick and fast enough that can catch better one of the things I do look at as far as the combine are, like I said, the cone drill, the broad jump, because that that is a good test of explosion, how that player is able to break either on the ball, break up field, get across laterally. And I I looked I look to that because it's something that we should all focus on that in. There are parts with the vertical as far as cornerbacks, as far as receivers. Yes, those are important because for some whiteouts, they need to be able to extend the play vertically and be able to make those contested catches over a outstretched cornerback. And I just think that I like the combine process because it does tend to give certain players who may not have had that shine of the national media attention. Some light but I also think that sometimes folks tend to overrate some of these pro- prospects by their speed. Remember, Texas A&M wide receiver, Ryan Swope, ran a 4-3-4 a few years ago. Do you remember Ryan Swope? Didn't think so. It's one of those things where just gotta take some of these numbers into the Consideration of knowing what's what. When we come back from the break, I want to talk about the linebackers that will probably be either in the combine or having fairly quick pro days. This is the FPC Raiders Podcast.
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at
1: ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: We are back with the FPC Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence Biggs. I want to talk about some of these linebackers. Now, there's a bunch where anyone's first choice is Clemson linebacker (laughs) Isaiah Simmons. Unfortunately, at the 12th and 19th pick, the Raiders do not have the ability to draft him because chances are he'll be long gone because I have that distinct feeling he is going to have one of the better pro days. And that's it's tough because he's just outside their reach. Patrick Queen from LSU is definitely within their reach. We want to see where he tests as far as the agility because we know he can get Feel He's fast. I want to see what the ability to change direction looks like. Kenneth Murray is another one. Uh, middle linebacker from Oklahoma where people are they're high on him because of his ability, but people are less high on him because he played in the Big 12 defense and the Big 12 isn't quite known for defense. Personally, I don't really care what conference you play in. If your film shows that you are out here balling, I don't really care who you play as far as the folks in your conference. Troy Dye is an interesting one. He's a linebacker from Oregon. He has the range. He has the length to be at a quality outside linebacker. He can cover, which, as we have mentioned, coverage linebackers are like unicorns to the Raiders. They don't really have... Wait, they exist, but other teams grab them or the Raiders just ignore them altogether. Dye has that ability to blitz, ability to play the run, also had the ability to turn and run with tight ends. Completely needed. Malik Harrison, the linebacker out of Ohio State, is one that he has the middle linebacker quality and he has the skill to play downhill and to be able to deconstruct blocks and he is really good as far as being able to remain physical within the box and actually Get up field too. It's one where he's not a most sound cover guy, but he doesn't need to be if he is the middle linebacker. A- Akeem Davis Gaither out of Appalachian State is one of my favorites in this draft. Not the biggest, like probably 219, 220, but he covers. He covers well. He covers a wide field. He can cover backs. He can cover receivers, he can cover tight ends. It's one of those where he's probably a day, a late day two, early day three pick. And if he's there for the Raiders, this will signal that if he's drafted by them, it's a change in theory. It's a change of mindset for the first time in a very long time. One that folks may not be focused on is Davion Taylor, the linebacker out of New York, Colorado another coverage linebacker, runs well. Where I worry about him is when opponents get their hands on him. He's not really stout enough or sturdy enough to be able to shed blocks with force. He has to evade blocks with shoulder dips and being able to cut under the lurching hands of linemen. At the next level, I kind of worry about how that fits in an offense. One player that I'm kind of curious about is Wisconsin outside linebacker Zach Bond, where he did at, you know, during the scene during the week of the Senior Bowl, he took some reps at inside linebacker. He, by nature, is an edge rusher in the TJ Watt mode, but I kind of think that he has enough athleticism to actually function in a four three as a linebacker, and I think that he shows enough. To be able to stay in coverage and actually play well, which helps him because the one thing he does better than everything else on his skill set is be able to get to the passer. And I think that if you have a linebacker that can do both, you are definitely ahead of the game. One linebacker I kind of see starting to kind of bubble up is Daley Harding, the linebacker from Eurus, Illinois where he went from kind of a run-of-the-mill prospect to having a monster year where his season was over 120 tackles, a couple of picks, a couple of pick sixes, just everywhere. I think that later in day three, if he is there, the Raiders need to make a definite sign. One guy that I want to talk about is Cleek Hudson, the linebacker out of Michigan, where he plays at... not so much a rover, but kind of that Joker hybrid type, where yes, he can play safety, but he can also come downhill and smack somebody as a linebacker, and he can cover. Coverage is, I can't stress it enough, the most important thing as far as what the Las Vegas Raiders need to do, and it is, it's sad. This draft honestly has about 12, 12 to 15 linebackers that are immediate upgrades over whatever the Raiders have now? And there was word that the Raiders are looking to part ways with Tahir Whitehead. That's fine. I mean, he just, huh, his ability to play in space is, is not there. And I look back at Mayock and Gruden like, why did you bring this guy on if he really can't cover? It's just, it's one of those things that I know that he is better in run stuffing but you gave up six touchdowns you got torched week after week after week and it's one of those things gotta be better next time we will definitely discuss the defensive lineman available and we will focus upon that but one I want to talk about now is Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina at the Senior Bowl he explained his hardship and how he had to overcome poverty and he had to overcome harsh upbringing to kind of get where he's at and one of those things where if you're a fan of just football in general he's the kind of player that would definitely help the Raiders and he will be at 12 I know that they may not have that need for an interior defensive lineman but Ken Law is one of those players that you could see Rob Marinelli banging the table for because he instantly gives them an interior push and that will make Crosby hell that might even make Cleveland Farrell better if you have someone to be able to flush the quarterback out side to side instead of having to be able to step up in the pocket and Ken Law is one of those guys where his bolt off the snap is great long armed he has the full complement of talent when it comes to any sort of situation he can play the run He's strong enough to actually handle a double team if he needs to. He can beat double teams. But I see him as one of those players that... There's going to be real interesting conversations about the 12th pick. I, and if Kenlaw is there, I know the Raiders need a quarterback. I know they need a wideout. But this draft, they have a few of those available. Actually, more than a few. Ken Law is a monster that you put in the middle of that line. And you will watch, believe it or not, the defensive ends numbers go up because he's going to be a headache for somebody. And I think that that's what the Raiders need. They need to build that defense from the line up, where they have parts of that defense at a great line, but they need somebody like a Kenlaw, somebody like a Lakey Fotu from Utah, who is more of a bull as far as being able to crush the pocket. They need something different. We will be back this week to talk about more of the interior defensive alignment at the Combine. As for now we will wish you goodbye. This is Terrence Biggs, FPC Raiders Podcast. Thank you and we will see you next time.